Hey, yo, what's good, what's good, what's good? Welcome to Reflections of a DJ, the road podcast presented by DJ City and Beat Source. Uh, big shout out to Beat Source and DJ City. I'm one of your hosts, DJ Crooked. I got DJ Never here. Yo, what's up, y'all? I got DJ D Miles. What's good, what's good? I got Jamie the Great. Yeah. And we got a special guest from Rule, New York. Um, yeah. He's a producer. You know, he's produced for Wu-Tang, Mariah Carey, J-Mills, Biggie, Lord Banks, Eminem. And recently did uh, the new Locks and DMX. He's also an MC, rapped with Nas, Saigon, Styles P, Kooji Rap. And uh, he's an extremely talented DJ. He's been in the New York scene. I remember seeing him at Greenhouse and shit. I'd like yeah. to welcome uh, Scram Jones. What's up, man? What's good, brother? What's good? Thank you for having me, Kooji. I also forgot to mention that you are a Grammy Award winner as well, right? I should have came. Nah, nominated. Huh? Grammy nom- nominated. Grammy yeah, yeah. nominated. Well, nominated. Nominated. I was I was on on um, two projects that won Grammys, but I didn't get a trophy. So nah, yeah, oh. I, I could oh. play with that. You know what I mean? But, uh, <laughs> nah, yeah, it's nominated. It's fine. <laughs> That's dope, man. That's dope. So how you been holding up, man? And uh, out there in the East Coast, you're you're in Nauru still, or where are you? Uh, yeah, Nauru, New Rochelle. You know, Westchester, just outside the Bronx. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, it actually hit us first. I don't know if you guys remember, oh. but it actually this was actually the the starting point in in New York. This this guy over here, um, uh, he was at some synagogue or something, and he spread it. So like, we actually had the Coast Guards come here first. Wow. Not Coast I didn't Guard, know that. Wilding the uh, what do they call the uh, National, National Guard? Guard? National Guards. Okay. Yeah. Yo, edit that out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we so we got hit first, but um, to be honest, as a creator, like I actually embraced it. I didn't embrace what was going on outside. Obviously, it was horrible. It mm-hmm. still is, but um, it was time. It was some downside downtime that I really needed, just from constantly running around DJing and having a million things to do. It was it was it was needed time to just buckle down in the studio and and you know work. So so know, I embraced it definitely. So in the last in the last few in the last couple of years, you kind of focused on DJing a little bit more than production. Yeah, not not really by choice. It just was of circumstance, really. Yeah. I mean, it just happened that way. You know, I would I would DJ a couple of nights a week, and then I had the radio show, which I'd pre- uh, prepare a couple of days in advance on uh, Shade Forty Five, right? Yeah, right on Saturdays. Yeah. So and then um my my extra time, I was with my family, and I, you know I would definitely try to do graveyard shifts, you know, late at night try to make tracks and shit, but um, I was really just like, I wasn't um, centered really. I mean, I was still making tracks, but right now I'm on it like every day, like like I should have been probably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but is it is it weird when you DJ that much, when you're DJing that often to get into production mode, like to get in that head? I mean, it's, 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 it's two ways of looking at it. It's definitely inspiring when you see what, you know, if you're in production mode and you see what the crowd likes and you see what responses you get, you may want to, you know, go home and try to cook something that, that, Mm. that has that type of effect um so i I see a lot of other dj slash producers that you know after the club they'll go go to the studio whatever um yeah you definitely get inspired but i also don't like to be a follower so i also like to just be super experimental too so so i definitely i don't know so i was gonna ask like because you said exactly what you said like a lot of times the inspiration comes from seeing people react so now where does that inspiration come from is it just your own creativity you're just just working with artists just feelings like what's going on like just the world shifting like I, I i i think more artists should really embrace like this is the time to really write what's going on right now and grab the emotion of the people mm-hmm. i'm not saying it has to be somber i'm not saying it has to be revolutionary you know but definitely more introspective more you know autobiography i mean you know everybody's kind of rerouting right now in a sense like right. you know i like when somebody said um 2020s when everybody got their, their vision back or whatever i mean that's like a a silver lining obviously it's been freaking hell this year but but in a sense a lot of people 
got to reroute and re rethink about their life and, and say, are they, you know, are they going to continue doing what they were doing or, or is this the time that they either move or change jobs or get out of a relationship or whatever it may be. Um, I think it was a, a pivotal time this year. Yeah. You dropped the song divine intervention, right? Recently, like in April or May or something. You, you yeah. Dropped it. And that was kind of, you were actually speaking on, you know, is, is this like a divine intervention given kind of the earth a break and giving ourselves time? Yeah. To like yeah. I, heal, did the, right? I did more of the hippie vibe on that one. Yeah. Yeah. This one of, you know, this is one of the <laughs> It when it first hit and it was just like I, I you know, I had that light bulb and, and I just started thinking about it and I was like, the earth needed to break. I mean, it was just interesting seeing how certain um uh waters would get bluer in Italy and the sky right. was you know, like certain animals are coming out now and things are kind of like fixing themselves. You know, we, we do so much pollution and, and so much harm to the earth. So when it got its literally got a break from humans, you know, fucking with it. For like five six months, it, it um I don't know I just wrote about it. I thought it was deeper than than what was on the surface. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, nah, no, nah. that's dope. And then yo, you just did this uh, locks and DMX this joint about shit. That's pretty yeah. big, man. That's like pause. That's like DMX's <laughs> first track in a minute, yo. Yeah, that was. I mean, that's a bucket list for all us New Yorkers '90s heads. I mean, yeah. I was about to say that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's not a, he's not an easy dude to be in the same room as as everyone knows his history. Oh, so you were in the studio with him. Yeah, no, I was oh, wow. there when he, when he recorded it. Oh shit! Uh, came at D Block. It was interesting because it was it was um it was a locks record and they didn't have a hook and I was actually in the studio with Sheik and I was saying um it would be crazy to have DMX on it and and right there we were like who do we know and he's like let me call the manager boom boom like me and Sheik thought of that right there like wow. and and then the following week like he was at the studio and he was just supposed to do a hook but he just grabbed the pad and pen and started writing nobody was gonna stop him so yo how yo how was that how what's his what's his process like what's it like working with um, him? You know, he came with the henny, the henny to the face. You know, oh, what? Uh, <laughs> no, smoking. He smoked cigarettes. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, but, um, and he just, um, he was just in his zone. He was there to, you know, do his business. So, you know, he sat by himself for a while, thinking of lines outside the studio. Then he went in the studio with a pad and pen. Um, mm-hmm. I think Styles actually came up with the hook. Mm-hmm. I think Styles already had a hook ready because he didn't want to like, he wanted to make sure that the job was going to get done. So right. he had the hook already, and and DMX wrote it and. And recorded it, and he said he might want to redo it, but he never redid it. It was that was a go. So, so. was it was it quick? Was it pretty much a quick process? Was um, it- yeah, I mean, well, let me think. He probably chilled for like an hour before he recorded, like mm-hmm. like with the pad and pen, kind of getting yeah. it together. Mm-hmm. And um, and then you know, a couple of takes, not too many takes, maybe five takes or something, like you know, revving the engine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, no, nah, that was that was that was awesome. That was wow. Awesome. That's fucking yeah. crazy. I saw so- you in the music video with your Jufro. Out, yeah, you know that, that, I didn't, that was actually, I hadn't been out of like quarantine until that day. I actually had to take a test right after. Like nobody wanted me back in the house after that. Oh yeah. So, but I hadn't got a haircut. I got a little crazy after I was like, oh man, I probably look crazy, but. No, nah, it was dope, it was man. <laughs> it was like the quarantine look. That was like the New York quarantine yeah, look. Yeah, I was like shit. a fucking caveman. <laughs> I was like a caveman. So, so during this whole pandemic and shit, where, where do you see yourself you was leaning definitely towards production, but I saw you on IG Live and you was dropping some ill sets. You did a, a great yeah. set. No, I actually enjoyed that. Um, and I'm going to go back to it. I know I everyone's like, get on Twitch already. But um, it, the dumbest reason why I stopped, but I think it was it worked in my favor. Basically, I was trying to do a trick on the IG with my elbow and I smashed my fader out. Oh. So, so the Pioneer one. So I actually, um, Scribble, who's my boy, uh, he works for Pioneer. And he was like, oh, I'll get you a fader. 
So I waited for a couple of weeks for the fader. It shows up. Then when it's, then he said, bring it over to get a fix. When he told me to bring it over, I could not find it. I, I literally lost the fader. <laughs> like, like he's just like, how do you do that? Scam? I said, I don't know. Maybe the cleaning lady threw it away. I can't find it. So he's like, right, I'll send you another one. Then I'm waiting. Then he's like, oh, Pioneer's playing games. And then he's like, I got a mixer for you. Come get a Range 72. Shout out to Scribble for doing all this shit for, for, no, for nothing. <laughs> I pick up the 72. I bring it back. That fade is freaking stiff. As in. So, like, it's been like a weird, like, technical difficulties with my right. mixer, which which me, it's it's a lesson to stop cutting corners and just go buy it and put it in yourself and stop <laughs> yeah, yeah. trying to get favors. But um, <laughs> but what it did was it took me from the DJing and I've been I've been really producing a lot of um beats. I got a couple albums already like wow. in the can just from yeah, like, stepping away. Like um, so I got a project with um with Jim Jones. Me and yeah. him got a project. Oh, that I, I, I saw on Instagram with like a, a Zoom with you and Jules Jules Santana was there. Yeah, yeah. Fresh out so of he, jail? Is he out of jail? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's fresh out and he's got the Zoom. Listen, Jim got the whole quarantine studios. He got he's got the formula basically of the future. And he's he's on to something right now because yeah. technically, like we're all in the studio watching the Pro Tools, hearing it through speakers just like the studio, you know, and basically people from all over are doing their own vocals at their studio, but but his engineers engineering it and taking over their screens and yeah. I mean it's kind of the future. It was the present right now, but you know, every it was cool because there's just people all over in the studio, but not having to travel, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's, he's trying to plug away at that idea, but um, at like actually finding a secondary app company or something. So it doesn't have to be zoom and this other audio pro- program. He's trying to, whatever that's on him. But either way, we, um, we started a project. We did like three and he said, let's do an album. Cause they were coming out crazy. So we did about seven. Wow. Um, Was it a solo project or something that he's working on with, with like a dip set thing or? Yeah, no, it's solo. I'm sure he'll have a uh, dip set on it, but, um, but uh, we, we were just going to do seven. That's what he said. He said, we'll drop six with a bonus. So we like, we're on our seventh and um, they're not what you expect. They're definitely like, like a little, I don't know. I, I gave him all records with hooks on it, put it like that. So I had like bigger records. I don't want to like, I don't know. Like it's definitely a dope, dope album. Did um, you, you wrote the hooks? Pretty much. Yeah, I had, you know, I have singers and, and artists and stuff. So I was, you know, I have some like nice, like radio sounding and club sounding shit that oh, wow. I was working on. And I was like, fuck it, let me just hit you with a bunch of these. <laughs> and he was, you know, and they came out really good. So I'm actually excited about that project. Um, is that how and, you, uh, is that how you typically work? You, you, you package them. It's kind of like a, if you make the beat, you already have an idea of what the chorus is and you try to put it together. My, my mentality is it's easier to sell a record than a beat. So a beat, mm. someone might like it, but they still got to think of a concept or a hook. Right. But if you mm. if, if yeah. you give them a beat and a hook, yeah. it's like filling the blanks. You did everything for them. So it's like it's like selling records instead of selling beats. I mean, not to say all my beats have them. My my street, you know, boom bap beats and that don't have really hooks on them. But like some of these other melodic ones, you know, I always get singers to put hooks to them. And yeah. um, so so we did a cool one. I did um, in the quarantine. I also did one with Ghostface too. We did wow. a project. So you do a lot. Of, you do a lot of shit with Wu Tang with with Rayquan. You did like a whole yeah. album with Rayquan, a mixtape album. Yeah. Well, I, I've been working with Ray for his last. Yeah. There's Cuban Links too. So Cuban Links too, I helped him put together. And after that, we did the next couple projects together, and I DJ for him. And um, and that was you know, that, you know, I was thankful for him to bring me in the the Wu <laughs> cipher. Yeah. You it's, know, it's, but, uh, it's crazy though. You're kind of keeping New York hip hop alive. You're like, <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like. I can't like you're like the go-to producer 
for a lot of street yeah. rap right now, you know, like in New York. You're like a, affiliated with the Wu Tang, the Locks. Yeah, uh, everybody. <laughs> <the> set. Yeah. <laughs> Those are the main New York crews, man. I mean, yeah. Terror I mean, Squad. Yeah, I was like, I was just like, you're keeping New York hip hop alive. Like, you're, you're I mean, working I'm, with I'm, these dudes. I, I appreciate that. I'm, yeah. I, I feel like, you know, now's the time to, um, I think everybody's ears are shifting. This is a new shift. So, yeah. you know, we were in like trap party world. I know that's still there, but a lot of the music we were collecting and listening to was because we were out spinning it in the clubs. Yeah. Like, I really mm-hmm. haven't been downloading that much new stuff, to be mm-hmm. honest. I've been actually digging in my old stuff and bringing up old stuff and like trying to get more of an eclectic set or, or open format set. That's what kind of this quarantine diff instead of like every day. Trust me, every day, DJ City, shout out to DJ City. <laughs> like, I'll be on it every day downloading shit. Nice. But I haven't, I fell off because. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. I haven't been DJing in clubs, so it's like... Well, I feel like a lot of DJs are like that. They stopped downloading ever since the pandemic because they're yeah. not doing clubs no more. Yeah, so I'm really like, I feel like a little out the loop with some of the new records, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. Do you, do you pretty much... Are you constantly making beats? Like, I'm just wondering, like, in, in 2013, you re- released, like, pretty much two albums, right? You produced, like, a whole album with, with Raekwon, The Chef vs. The Beast, and then you oh, did yeah. Styles P, was- The Float Album. And that was 12 tracks. It was like 38, 40 tracks in one year that released. I was like, are you just, are you just really fast and making this shit or like? Yeah, well, the style shit we did very fast. The styles, he's a beast. He don't, he's a super beast in the studio. He doesn't write. He just puts on a beat, bop his head for 30 minutes, 20 Mm. minutes and got a 16 Mm. ready. So, so that was a great project that we definitely did like it within less than a month. That Ray mixtape was actually an accumulation of all the stuff that we had done up to then. So it's kind of like the best of, and it had like 30 some records. I just knew a lot of people didn't know that I did so many records. So I yeah. said, you know, let's just, you know, I literally was like 35 records. So we just put that out. Yeah. I got another project with, um, you know, who Nems is? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gorilla Nems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we have a project too. That's, that's going to be some of my hardest, like beat production. Like that's the hard New York street shit. The other stuff I'm yeah, I'm trying to do pop music and all the singers and all that shit, which is great. I'm, yeah. I'm enjoying it. But yeah. the shit that people want me for, like that hard street shit, it'll be on that project. You do you just nice. love do you just love that New York cause like your shit, you just know how to really create a New York track. Like the shit just sound like some New York shit. You just you know what I mean? Cause I always wonder like, did you ever think of like moving to New York? I mean uh to LA or or Miami, just because the it seems like the the popping scene right now is in LA, right? To be out there. Yeah, no, that's honestly that's all we've been talking about. Me and my and my artists I work with, and even yeah. my fans, because um, we're talking about going to Cali. Like, like I, I definitely um, you know, I definitely did. I had I've, I've done a lot of stuff in Cali, like back and forth. But definitely, um, I'd love to move to Cali. You know, I have my yeah. son in school right now. He wouldn't be able to, you know, he got four more years. He's going in the eighth grade. So I can't, I can't pick up and leave, even though he's like, I'm down to go to Cali, but, right, right. you know, mm-hmm. but his, I don't think his mom would like me just kidnapping her son. But, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, trust me, God willing, you know, I could be bi-coastal because every time I go there, it's like things just connecting, um, right. with some the pop music I've been making. It's like, it's, it's a better, um, better networking over there. Right. You know yeah. 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 Way better. And better quality of life too. Just, you know, but not right now with the fires and the freaking right. Corona, but in general, it's always a, a, a great vibe when I go there. So I love Cali. Definitely. So that does, that does matter though. Right. To be in the scene, to be like in the city and like, you know, kind of be in the scene and, and it just, everything like kind of moves faster. In New York, right? you mean? In New York you I'm mean? saying in LA, or, you know, like a lot of doors would open. Right. 
Yeah, I think I think it's some un, untouched, you know. Yeah. Uh, places to conquer over there. To like, I haven't done enough uh, networking, mm-hmm. but anytime I did, things things would stick. So I think it's definitely worth uh, going there for like thirty days and just seeing what the hell happens. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. You did a track with Eminem. That was probably your most most recent production, right? With it was like a cranberry sample. That was like pop. That was yeah. definitely pop. You got some pop music. Yeah, I, I had that. I had that one. I was sitting on that beat for years before that. It was just in your head, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had that. That beat was a. I mean, I hate to say it was an old beat, but um, yeah, he had um, he had taken it, and then when I did the scratches, so I, I got up with him to do the scratches for Berserk, and that's when um, oh, yeah, dope. Yeah, so I, I went to Detroit to do the cuts for that, and uh, that's when I asked him about that record because Paul had said he recorded to it, and I thought it was gonna make that album. And it didn't. He said, sorry, you know, it's not enough room. Mm. But fast forward a year or two later for the Revival album, he put it on there. So I was very thankful. Then then the lady, I forgot her name, the Cranberry Singer died like right after we dropped it. Oh, shit, she, yeah. I was actually mad he didn't make like a single or do something like bigger with it. Cause, right. Cause maybe in the video, yeah. I don't know if it was like too, you know, too cliche or too uh, too commercial or whatever. But or too I, soon, yeah. Yeah, too soon. Mm-hmm. When you make a when you make a song like that with such a huge sample, do they the the label he has to clear all that shit, right? Do you have to deal with any of that uh, shit? Oh yeah, I, I had to give up forty. I mean, look, it's fifty percent, <laughs> it's fifty percent writers and fifty percent for the producer, right? So on the production side, uh, they they basically wanted all of it, so they took fifty percent, so they left me with zero. Wow, and then then M threw me 5% out of his writers. So oh, I got shit. 5%. I got 5% of that record. <laughs> oh, wow, man. <laughs> no, but hey, you is, know. Is that rare though for like the writer to give you 5% when you get nothing from the production? Yeah, it is to be honest. Most right. most artists don't give a damn. They're like, eat it. They're, you know, you sampled it. But, you know, it's, it's called taking it off the top. So if you have a good rapport with them, you know, they should go half with you just, yeah. to, just to bite the bullet. But other times they, you know, you just gotta eat it, and you know it is what it is. You just you know there's good there's good losses and and uh, bad losses, but that's does that does that does that shit happen a lot when when because you use a lot of samples, you sample a lot, like and it's 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 amazing yeah. to hear the samples. It's, it's dope. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I mean I, now I've been doing all the original stuff, right. but um, but yeah, I definitely got I got killed with samples. But at the same time, people were coming to me for the samples, so it was kind of right. like right. You want the samples, but every time I give them to you, I get you know I get shorted or I get. So I mean, yeah, trust me. When I did, um, I don't know, even the yeah, 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 which was a breakbeat, like they took that whole thing for me from the Terror Squad shit. Yeah. When I did the, uh, that was a big, that was a pretty big New York song. Like, yeah, yo, you had like literally mid two thousands. You had like some of the big, Hot ninety seven like street rap yeah, radio yeah. hits that crossed over, like the J Mills, no, 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 right? Yeah, Yeah. That, yeah, it did was you crazy. get hit so for that? Did I you went get hit from for no, that? no, no to yeah, yeah, yeah? <laughs> I, I noticed that when I was doing notes on you. <laughs> they literally came up, came out back to back, and that was like a punchline. Like yeah. I was writing, writing raps back then. I was like, I went from no, no, no to yeah. <laughs> but um, that J yeah, that, that Jay Mills was huge, man. That was big. That Jay Mills was great, and I had never heard of him. So I was in um at Stretch Stretch's old studio in Soho. Stretch Armstrong he had a studio in Soho, Soho mm-hmm. Studios. Hey, we was working out with Mark Ronson. And um, I had a room there. Actually, Johnny Shipes was renting me a room at the time. This oh, is yeah. Like, I know that. All I know the that characters spot, yeah. were, like, orbiting each other. So he was letting me borrow Red Spider's room, actually. And I don't think even Red Spider knew that. I think they, they actually got in a fist fight one time over me being there. Thing. <laughs> That's a funny really? story. <laughs> yeah. But uh, this is going way back 2004 or something. Yeah. So, and then uh, there was 
the the the, the front studio was getting rented by a battle rapper named Jay Mills, and I had never heard of him. But Shipes was like, "Yo, they want beats. Give me a BCD. Pass it off." And um, and I really didn't expect that thing to explode. That same night, they brought it a Hot 97. Really? You know, the next yeah, they had Flex playing it the next night. They had like I didn't know how much like Tone and Nigel, you know, the the, the cats that uh that had him signed. Mm-hmm. Those were like made dudes that were in this, you know, in Hot 97 with Enough the next day with Flex with K Slay, and then got the remix with um Cam and Ti. So that was like. That just shows don't sleep on, you know, don't sleep on anything. Oh, nobody, yeah. I was, like, I was like a battle rapper from Harlem wants a beat. Like, you know, I didn't think it would go anywhere. Not this. Yeah, that that song was big in New York yeah. at the time. Yeah. No. Also, Scram, you did um Black Vibe Ready, yeah. which is yeah. also kind of, that was also a big song for him. I love that yeah. record. I love that yeah. record. Yeah. Yeah. That was just, that was just drums. I remember I made those drums and I kept thinking that I needed to add something. And I didn't know what to do with them. And I just put it on my beat CD. And, and I, I went to Bad Boy and I was playing them all these other beats. And when I played that one, D Dodd and Harv were like, yo, what's this? And I was like, it's just drums. You know, I'm still working on it. They're like, nah, we need this, you know. So that was interesting, too. That was another lesson. Sometimes, like, less is more, too. Like, hmm. wanted drums. <laughs> so where did you get the idea to add the, the little girl singing? Like That was that was D Dot. I didn't even do that. I just, just had the drums. Yeah, he did that. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that was a that was one of those records, and you was on a roll. I was like, "Yo, this motherfucker's <laughs> on a fucking roll. Yeah, He's doing yeah, this that shit." Was, that, was, that was a good run I had. How was yeah. how was how was working with Bad Boy over there? Because I heard I was listening to some of your your solo joints because you rap too. Like motherfuckers don't really know you spit. Yeah. And you had a yeah. solo joint. I think you had an album Hat Trick, right? In two thousand eleven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. there was a song with Kid Capri, and it was dope. You sampled uh, the same joint as Black Sheep, right? With Choice yeah. Is Yours. I played beats for Diddy, did a flow for Puff. Still he copped the beat for Biggie, now he owns my stuff. Sold a beat to 50, but the song got cut. 40 songs beside Giddy, but no, now one stuff. The game too shifty, making dough was rough. You had like a line. You said, I played beats for Diddy, did a flow for Puff. Still did, he- did a flow for Puff. Like, huh? he didn't know I rap, so I said Oh, yeah, yeah, did a flow for Puff, right? Yeah. Still, still he copped the beat for Big E. Now he owns my stuff, right? And then you right. said, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm going to finish that. I want you to explain finish some of these lines. Because I was like, I was listening. I was like, wow, he's saying some like producer shit, like some inside. I'm glad you caught that. Not yeah, yeah. Not- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the next line? Was the so next the line? next line was sold the beat to 50, but the song got cut. Yeah. Made 40 songs with Cy Giddy. Is that what you said? Uh-huh. Cy Gone. And not, uh, and not one stuck. Not one stuck. And he said, the game too shifty, making dough is rough. You got to stay busy when the going gets tough. And I was like, yo, he summed up being like a producer, right? <laughs> and two bars. <laughs> and like, and there's a story between every line. I got exactly. a story. And there's, you know a, I mean? like, and there's a lot of hope and pain and anticipation because when you work with these big artists, you're like, yo, this is this is the one. And then- some something it's falls through behind right? the scene story, yeah. Yeah, it's always behind there's always two realities going on. Mm-hmm. Um, if you want me to break down those, yeah, lyrics, I, I want you to break it down. That's what I said. <laughs> so I said. I said, I made a beat for I made a what I say, I played beats for Diddy, did yeah. a flow for Puff. So I did play beats one on one with with Puffy in the studio in uh, actually in his office one time, right? And um, I did a flow for him, did a flow for Puff. He copped the beat for Biggie. Now he owns my stuff. Now the Biggie duets album was right. a, a remix album. So I didn't get no any pub or anything on that either because wow. whoever did the original beat or Lord Finesse or I forgot who it was, that's like really their lyrics in a sense. Do you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. for the remix that I did. So Yeah, you, you know, did just no just the memory with, with, with the clips, right? Yeah. That was the that was the joint. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that was um um you know wait, is that you know you nobody know till somebody kills you? Is that the Oh, no, no, I mean, yeah. 
Yeah, basically it was a remix. Yeah. I we took the verse from Biggie and then they threw the clips on. But anyway, and then um the next line, what I say? I said you sold a beat to 50, but the song oh, yeah. got cut. Yeah. So I um I was actually on the Get Richard Not Trying soundtrack. Damn. And I was in the movie too. Really? And they paid me. They paid me too. It was they paid me 15 stacks. Yeah, they paid me 15 stacks. I was excited. This is like 06, 05. And then three weeks before it came out, they said, sorry, Scram, we have to pull the record. Jimmy Iovine is mad that Dr. Dre doesn't have a, a track on the album. So oh. we, we swapped yours out with a Dre record. Oh. That was like, ah, oh, man. Damn, man. What so Dre I, record I, was it? What, say it again? I don't even know. I oh, mean, was, was it a Dre record? Yeah, wow. the, one that, the one that got re that replaced your song. Is it even my, worth it? Yeah, I, I don't know which one it was. I didn't even, at that point, I lost. I mean, So what, your track was in the movie, but not on the soundtrack? It was It was on both. So I was about to wow. get, like, Deep Prosper and, and Sean Money. They were like, you better get paid twice, Graham. You better get a sync fee. But like mm. they were like, you're gonna get 20 for a sync fee and 15 for the beat. I was like, you know, I'm a young 20-something-year-old, like, oh my God, you know, but um, yeah, got uh. the last minute. So I just threw that in the bar. I was like, it made a beat for 50, but the song ain't stuck. And I said 40 songs with Side Giddy, but only one stuck. I mean, but not one stuck. Cause Saigon, I started working with, we both got unsigned hype in the source like a month apart, right? As he got mm -hmm. out of jail, like in 2002. So we started working together and we literally had like leaked like 30, 40 records. Every case lay he was on, I had five beats, but nobody knew. Every, you know, whatever it was, they were leaking all the records I was doing. And then when he got signed to Just, Just decides to do the whole album oh. and leave me off of it. So, like, so I'm like, you can't be serious. You use all my beats to promote, just, you know what I mean? Promote and, and not even give me credit. I don't know. I don't want to get into that bitter world. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, dude. So, I mean. And then, and yeah, I mean, I guess I could. Yo, that's short, that's a lot. I mean, I'm cool with just since then. I'm cool with size since then. This is literally going back to '06. So like, you yeah, know, yeah. But I was tight because I was I was totally taken advantage of. You know, like right. Literally every day he's at my house making song after song, leaking, leaking song after song. Buzz going up, gets a deal, and then that producer wants to do the whole album. <laughs> just so that's so. So that's you know that's another producer. Basically, you you were almost like yeah. Turtle and Entourage because he got. Those two songs that Sai played in there were my songs too. Yeah, wow. So the, in Entourage, yeah. That's fucking but, um, crazy. With yeah, forty man. songs, that's fucking nuts. Yeah. So when you when I when I was um when I was hearing these lyrics, I'm like, yo, this is a uh, this is some inside <laughs> producer shit. This is like yeah. a lot of disappointment. This is a lot of uh. But it's like you got to charge it to the game, right? You got to keep yeah, going. Yeah, no, everybody, listen, I talk to everybody got a story. You know what wow. I mean? There's not a, you know, there's not a producer that doesn't have one of these stories. It's, you know, you could, you could like you say, charge it to the game, paying mm -hmm. dues, you know, failing forward and, you know, learning from your mistakes, all that good, you know, it's all lessons. It's true, though. You know, you start tightening your business, you start tightening your relationships. Right. You know, because I was just loosey goosey taking sessions with whoever. It's mm. just a fun time. Take the music, do what you want with it. And it's like what I always say in this business is it's always um opportunity versus loyalty. So someone's going to go for the be an opportunist. Or they're gonna be loyal to say, "Hey, you help bring this opportunity. We're gonna go take this opportunity together." Right. A lot of them will be like, "Hold on." And what happened with me multiple times is I was still on a come up as a producer. So a lot of the artists that I work with that we leak records got the attention of bigger producers, and then they would go with the bigger producer. Mm. Like I had a Spanish artist that we would, you know, we had all this crazy shit. If Pharrell signed him, and Pharrell wanted to do the whole shit, and my music got washed out, then his his deal didn't happen. You know, it happened even early with when I was in high school. <laughs> I was making making little two tracks beats for an artist and heat makers got a hold of them and he was deuces on me and i was just like it's it been an ongoing theme so that's kind of what that bar was about also yeah you know what I'm saying? 
How, what, what do you think, do you ever like self-reflect and look at yourself like, Jesus, like, I gotta, am I too loyal? Am I, yeah. you know? I mean, you know, I, I, maybe I'm a little, I don't know what the word is, but uh, maybe carefree, maybe just not really caring about the business. I'm, I'm very artsy. I'm very in the moment. You know, music is energy. You know what I mean? So, yeah. you know, I'm not always thinking business. I'm not thinking, how am I going to get paid off this beat? You know, sometimes yeah. if I catch a vibe with somebody, I'm like, let's work. Like, that's that's right. therapy to me. You know, I need that just to stay sane. But then later what they do with it, sometimes, I'm, you know, you got to be ahead of the ball. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they may have plans for it. And you, you're like, hold on. Where do I fit in? Or, or whatever. They may just throw it out there and use it to buzz their album that they don't even put it on. You know what I mean? So right. or, yeah. or come out with it unmixed or something, you know, and, and I don't know. I've had everything happen to me, but I don't want this to turn to, I don't want this to turn to a violin, you know, like, no, like, we, we, we like the violin. We like that violin yeah. shit. We like the, uh, yeah. we like violin, the story. Yeah. Right yeah, no, 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 because it's fucking heartbreaking, yo, to hear that shit and to see it because we've witnessed it. And I think we've all been through something like that. I mean, to a certain level, not at such a huge level as working with Diddy, you know, Biggie Smalls and, and all of this shit, like, and they Saigon, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's just like heartbreaking and, and disappointing. But it, you know, you got to keep going, and 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 it's it's important to me the the valuable lessons that you that you pick up along the way. But then also, how long it takes to kind of realize and get to that realization of like, yo, I got to change the way I do shit because I'm I'm continuously right. getting played and whatnot, yeah. you know. You yeah. know, and then and then there's the flip side too because when you do free stuff, like I always say, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and it's it's really about relationships more than anything. So. For instance, I always tell the story, but I feel like it's, it's relevant here is that um, I used to engineer for Nori and I used to be at his studio every day, engineering, giving him free beats, just being in the mix. And I would catch the the, the industry traffic coming in and out and I'd catch the other rappers because he was such a social guy. Yeah. He'd always have different rappers every day. So I said, you know, take all the beats you want. I'll press record when you need me to press record. And then uh, one day Mariah Carey walks in, you know what I mean? Mm. And, and, and that's when I slipped on the beat and, and was able to get on that project. So if I didn't humble myself to just, you know what I mean, to work for free, that, you know, I wouldn't have been in that position. So, you know, like I say, it's, it's you know, and, and another opportunity, I mean, in another situation, that'd be me getting taken advantage of. Like, I know engineers that work for free for certain rappers that they want to kill. They're just like, man, this guy's slaving me. He don't even pay me. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. The flip side is that <laughs> if that person, if you're a producer and he's setting you up, you know, he's setting a place for you for other placements is, you know, is worth yeah. it. That's that's crazy. That's a great song that you did for Mariah, your girl. That was on a, a, a Emancipation and Mimi, right? Yeah, that yeah. was. You worked with her. You was in. You was working with her, or you just made the beat? How did? Nah, that I mean, so that was the only time I was really was in Nori Studio was when I was like physically, you know what I mean, with her. But when she was doing a project, she was actually in Italy. Oh. So she was, had her manager at the time. It was actually uh, Mark Sudak. I don't know if you remember. You know, he, he, I think he was like engaged to her or something. I don't know. <laughs> But he was, I was talking to him. He's like, yo, she needs an eight bar intro with the guitar. She needs this. She needs that. And, and working out the format. And um, the crazy story with that is um, with that beat, I went to New Zealand to do a show with a, a rapper named Mareko. Um, he's a big New Zealand artist. And I had did the beat and I rapped on it and Rock Raider did the scratches. So mm. he did a, this is going way back. So they they flew me out there. Rest in peace. Week. Yeah. Rest in peace, Rock yeah. Raider. So they flew me out there to do a show with him for his debut album. And during that week's time, I was in the studio just killing time making beats. And they had another group on the label that had a slow jam on the radio, two brothers that are on the guitar. So I took that, sped it up, and that was the beat that Mariah took. Oh, shit. So, so when she started asking me to break down guitars and all that, obviously with a regular sample, you wouldn't have those stems. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I was like, I knew the guys. I'm like, yo, we on the Mariah shit. You getting your cut. 
I need the Pro Tools to the original. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was able to take the guitar around, so that worked out. So it's just crazy, crazy story. Yeah, but, that's uh, crazy how shit works yeah. like that. Yo, how did that, how did it feel to hear your like Mariah singing over a beat you made? Come on, man. That, that was that was surreal because, like I said, I would imagine, like, man. I wasn't supposed to be on that, you yeah, know. Yeah. But that's the whole point. It's like it's not what you know, it's who you know. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I knew yeah. Nori, and Nori had just got signed up to Rock La Familia, and Dame Dash surprised him with Mariah, <clears throat> and it's just like. Stars were aligned that night, you know. So, mm-hmm. but um, I was definitely like, yeah, I was definitely wow. One of the bigger that's albums cool, she had too, because that's where we belong together and all that shit is on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Jesus. That was, that I called an interview. Scrap. I called an interview you did a while back, a while back, and you said that she originally was going to take a beat and put it as a disc record towards Tommy Mottola. Is that correct? That's a that's a fact. Yeah, it was, the, it was the ready for the world. The one that she heard in the studio, and mind you, it's on YouTube. If you type in Nori Mariah. And says so Hood Lab, you'll see this whole shit go down because he had the DVD camera out, whatever. But the record was um 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 never really mattered too much to me. You mm-hmm. was you were uh-huh. just too old for me, whatever. The ready for wow, the- man. <laughs> <laughs> I had that I played that in the studio, and she was like, "What's that?" And she was so that's when her manager swooped in and was like, "Yo, let me get the, the numbers." And then I I sent the CD, and she wound up forgetting about that one. I took the other one, but. Uh-huh. But they they said that she was she started writing that she's like she scratched it she's like nah. damn man <laughs> did she just do an interview dissing Tony Montella like yesterday or some shit is she oh, I don't know yeah, it's all well, over Twitter you know what it is she she just dropped a book so she probably did like a, a tell all and some probably came out in the book yeah. wow can you imagine a dis a Tony Montella diss record yo that shit that would have been major. That would have been, <laughs> been big, man. Would have been the biggest disc record of all time, yo. For real, uh, yeah. <laughs> yo, Scram, I got a, I had a question, man. So, like in 2020, has streaming changed your process at all? Because everything it seems like it's so fast and so instant. Like, or do you stay true to how like, your, your I like, process? I like just streaming in general, how how it became like so popular. You mean no, just yeah. like how you approach production. Yeah, is that what you mean? Like, it- yeah, like how you approach your process with production? Because a lot of times, I feel like. Now, a lot of shit's it just almost seems undone, but I feel like our producers may want to speed up the process just to get stuff out right now. Does that make sense? Well, he's saying that, uh, he's saying that with streaming, a lot of the you know content and releasing content is sometimes more important than the quality of the content. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, the the quantity over content, the quality is that has that become an issue with you in production? Yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been like, like I realize, and and trust me, my, 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 I have a 12 year old son, it's like that. You got to release something like every week, like, what are you doing? You know, like, like you can't just drop something and then have nothing after it, like, and he's right, and um, and that's the thing, it's just about consistency, it's really testing testing heads so you know when i do do my next releases like i gotta have the next three or four ready because Mm -hmm. that's kind of where it is you're not gonna it's you're not gonna get attention it's just so oversaturated so even at divine intervention like you know nobody like i threw it out people forgot about it the next week you know i didn't i just like (laughs) you know i mean i I didn't have a follow-up i didn't have a project right i didn't have no promo i just it was just me just by myself like oh upload and um I realized that I had to, you know, you got to be a little more calculated, but definitely uh, you need so much content right now. So, so, I mean, it's a challenge. Have rappers always looked at beats? Like, do they understand how the process of how much time and work it takes to make a beat? Or do they kind of see it as very disposable and even more so now? Like, like just beats and shit. I mean, rappers probably do look at, I don't want to, you know, generalize, but yeah. they definitely, the way they act is they're disposable because the second they record it, they're ready to, you know, throw it out right. and onto the next, you know what I mean? And only 
you know, so, and there's so many new producers and so many cheat codes that like, listen, like I keep talking about my son cause he just started, this was the most miraculous shit, not to get all old, uh, but mm-hmm. my son started making, I have a 12 year old and he just started making beats. Nice. Like over quarantine, but like taught himself on the FL and they're coming out super fire and he's teaching me shit wow. like VSDs and plugins like all this nerd shit. So that was a, so it's just, it's just crazy. Um, but also what I was going to say is how fast these kids make them. Mm. Like he's like, look at, he puts me on YouTube. He said, look at this kid that made 10 beats in 10 minutes. And I'm watching this kid with the fruit, the FL, boom, 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 light some things up, beat done. Next one, boom, boom, boom. And I'm like, this is why they're disposable because you can make them in a minute. Right. Because it's like, there's all these like cheat codes. I'm not knocking those producers, but but it's like um, when artists see that type of, you know, a beat made in a couple of minutes, they're not, you know what I mean? They're not going to value it. Like if you sit there and spend freaking, you know, bring musicians over and try to like really take your time. It's funny you said that you were, you've been like, your son's been making beats and shit because we just had Little John and Little John's like newest song with Yin Yang Twins. He was producing with his son. So that's like some, you know, it's like some yeah, ironic but, shit that you. I'll tell you a crazy story. Yeah. yeah. This, is a, this is a fucked up story. I shouldn't. <laughs> this, may, this may be one that I'm not, you know, I'm not a hundred with, but um, that if we're going to, but basically, so I'm the first beat I made with my son. Yeah. I, I, I'll just say what it was. I took the groove theory to tell me, right. Mm-hmm. You tell me what you know. I flipped yeah. that and I was doing the drums. He said, dad, let me throw it on FL, make it even harder. And let me show you some of these plugins and VSTs, whatever. He hooks it up. Um, Right away. I throw a fab. I send it to Fab, right? Now, Fab is like a hit or miss. Like, you may just get crickets. You know what I mean? So, like, I sent him to him, and I was going to go to sleep, like, 1.30. And then Jim hit me up, like, yo, jump in the Zoom session. You got any, any new beats? Let's finish this project type of thing. So, yeah. I was like, fuck, I got this this new beat I'm excited about. Let me play it. So, played it for him. He loved it. He recorded the whole song. And the next day at 10 a.m., I get the email from Fab, like, yo, I need that record. <laughs> and Jim had just recorded it. Oh, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> So I was like, yeah, so that's kind of, yeah. So um, so what do you do in that case? What do you do? What do you do? Jim? What would you do? What did you do? Well, you, well, you just talked about opportunity and loyalty. So loyalty. Which, which one? Right. Yeah. So that being said, first I had to check the temperature with Jim. So I hit him up. I had to hit him like, yo, you know, I sent this beef first to, to Fab. You know, I didn't expect to go on a Zoom on a late night. You know, but, you know, blah, blah. He's just like, scram, that song is done. Like, I spent <laughs> like, yeah. I was up till 7 a.m. fixing that. He's like, I don't stay with one B for that long. I stay till 7 a.m. even when you left the Zoom session, getting it right. <laughs> like, you can't do that to me type shit. I said, all right, it's yours, bro. It's yours. But but it was just crazy having a dub fab on the email like, yo, sorry. Yeah. And I'm just like, man. <laughs> but um, so these are like behind the scenes stories. But yeah. it's funny. My son's always like, look, the first beat you do on FL, they fighting over it. You got to, you know, you got to. Cross over to the to the Fruity Loops, Dad. That's dope, man. Uh, that's that's yeah. really dope. I love to hear that yeah. shit. That you know, yeah. when yeah, I want to hear that Jim Jones record, man. Yeah, I wanna, <laughs> I I'm big that. on Jim Jones. I'm like, come on. Yeah, nah, nah. He's got he's 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 up to something. He's definitely was because yeah, his last album was great. So that's what I'm saying he's really barring up like all his you know like it's all there's not I'm not making no trap records with him they're all like life you know bars or some or some dope sh- metaphors and um he definitely impresses me in these sessions how fast he comes up with these these verses so so, um, so like with, with with all of this shit you're saying loyalty opportunity and I'm sure you you know you've gotten burned that was a loyalty I could have taken loyalty yeah yeah <laughs> I had to because like they say uh, you know uh, uh what is it a bird in the hand is better than two in the bush like like Fab has held beats for a long time and never used them. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And so it's kind of like you know that was like I, you like it, but you've also liked multiple beats in the past, and nothing ever happened. Mm-hmm. Jim shit is done. He ready to drop it. I'm like, 
you know, I'll yeah. send you something else, Fab. I sent him a bunch of more shit. I didn't get a response, but hey. <laughs> <laughs> so like, um, what, so even to this day, like, what what is like for producers? I hear about this all the time. Even I did, even early, early in the late nineties, I was making beats, but it was like it was like impossible to get paid. You know what I'm saying? And I right. ended up DJing. I ended up kind of giving up production. Because DJing was just, you got money f- like in hand that night, you know, like yeah, that's kind of yeah. I mean, that's kind of where I went to, 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 to in a certain stage where shit wasn't monetizing fast enough per mm-hmm. se, monetizing yeah. fast enough, and it's just like the gigs were coming in and that's paying the immediate bills. And and, I, and on top of that, you know, just being in the mix, you know, the clubs that I, I know everybody here does, like you'll see rappers and artists there, so it puts you in a certain level where you, they become more approachable, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or they accept your text messages or calls because they just saw you in the club, right. you know what I mean? So it's like, you know, you could, you know, but that being said, I, I definitely took advantage of the, the DJ run, you know, yeah. during that whole greenhouse shit, and then after, like, you know, I love the club, like, I, 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 love, I love it, but then it also limits you from what you're doing creatively back, at mm-hmm. least me, it, it limited me, it kind of just, it drained me, I have to recover the next day, then I, you know, and I got family, and then I throw a couple ideas down, but then it's back to the, the club, and then it's, oh, mm-hmm. I gotta work on my radio show, so it really, yeah. I was not making that many beats, and I wasn't that inspired to, recently, I don't know, I've been attracting a lot of like amazing vocalists basically and songwriters and like, you know, I always play the keys, but it's nice when you play a couple chords and then you got a guitar player there, just, you know, adding that extra shit or, you know, uh, you know, whatever. It's just great work with musicians and, and people that have top lines like that. So I've been doing a lot of that. You know what I mean? That what pulled me back to production, not making the grimy beats. You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. more like, oh, like we making music music, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so. Did you self-teach yourself how to do keys and chords and stuff like that? Or did you? I mean, basically, I mean, when I was super young, I, I had piano lessons for like two or three, probably two years for some old lady that mm-hmm. I hated. But I always, my grandma always had a piano. And I was just to just play it, you know what I'm saying? Like, I used wow. to like, look at it like a toy, you know what I mean? Just sit there, play it until finally my mom, my parents got me a, got a piano for our house. And I literally was just a kid that would sit there just working shit out. Like I could play by ear, but I can't read it. Mm-hmm. So I always have chords ready to go and, you know, I could always find a bass line, but I can't read it. I'm not going to go crazy, you know? Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I always loved the piano though. Yeah, I was talking with my boy, uh, DJ MoMA, and he actually has been like, you know, he took uh, piano lessons, you know what I'm saying? And is like yeah, yeah, yeah. in his late 30s and he was learning, learning uh, chord progressions and uh, he was studying like, you know, gospel music chords. And all of this shit, which was insane. And I, I always look at sample, like uh, a lot of sample-based producers and how they kind of evolve into like chords or original music and shit like that, which you said you've been focusing on and whatnot, you know? Yeah. No, nah, you definitely got to stay inspired and keep and keep pushing yourself, you know yeah. what I mean? Or else you're just going to stay in the box. Like, I got to keep on, um, like I say, challenging myself to do, to do you know, or else I'm not going to be inspired. So, you know, right. I don't want to, how many, you know, gully beats am I going to make? I mean, trust me, I, I love making them. But it's a certain process you do with finding a sample, this, that. But it's another process when you start fresh with musicians or you start fresh with just the keys. Mm-hmm. And I've been embracing that now that I have people that are helping me finish <clears throat> finish these ideas. So, I mean, you're so good at the gully beats, though. It's like, so it's like. No, no, I'll never stop. <laughs> <laughs> don't ever, like, don't like, ever like the Tim, like, like Tim's in New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I always got the stash of that. And I, I try to balance it. I try to balance, especially when certain artists, they'd be like, yo, I need something. And, you know, then I'm like, oh, shit, let me quickly make a, you know, have a marathon of samples real quick. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, definitely, definitely growth is what I'm embracing with the production. I, I got so how, how do you, how do you like the current hip hop that's out right now? 
Ah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like it. You know what it is? I'm so, no, there's, there's and I, I, like, I get put on to new people every week. You know, I keep mentioning my son. He puts me on a new rapper every day. You heard this guy, heard this guy, heard this guy. So I, I'm trying to stay. There's so much new music coming out. It's like so many little subcultures or sub, you know, you, you, an artist you never heard of that you'll see a rapper that you never heard of will have like 100 million streams or some shit, but you never even heard of them. Mm-hmm. You know, like my son put me on a what, Coded a Friend or, 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 or um, I don't know, a bunch of underground rappers that have a huge following, but there's no mainstream. There's no even, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? They're like mm-hmm. underground, but they're huge underground. So I like discovering those type of artists when it comes to like, I've totally stopped listening to the trap, like not stop listening, but because I'm not downloading every day, I've kind of like lost touch with a lot of the new, you know what I mean? Trap records. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. But I've been listening to some new artists, but I'm just, I really realized that I need to release music. So I'm trying to like, I look at a lot of the shit as distraction now. Mm-hmm. Like I have a different way of looking at it before it's like, I got to have every new record. And now I'm like, hold on, this is a distraction. Let me just focus on my shit. Cause I'm taking too long to, I have a problem with releasing music. I have so much I have hard jobs filled with music. And for some reason, <laughs> I just can't get them up, <laughs> get them out. So I'm like, this is the time to purge your freaking hard drive. Right. And, and, you know, and get all this music out. So I've been focusing on that the most. Cool. Mm-hmm. Is the music nowadays, when you listen to it, does it speak to the climate of what's going on? Do you know what I mean? A, a lot of like. I, I wish there was more. You right. know, I wish there was more. I, it's really hard to find, you know, without sounding, you know, there's, there's some that sound a little more preachy than others, but like even, I'm going to sound real square and old, but like even the whole thing with the Cardi B, the Megan Stallion, like the WAP record that came out and everybody's like, right. damn Cardi, like you, you, you rap with Bernie Sanders and you're talking all this political stuff. Now was your opportunity to say something empowering or you have such a, a big voice and the whole freaking country is going nuts what you gonna drop and then it's like wet ass pussy you just like <laughs> you're like damn that's what you know like but she's she, you know they, they her and megan they know what the hell they're doing but but uh, you kind of wish that someone of that caliber you wish cardi would come with like a you know what i mean like a yeah. deeper record but um <laughs> am i right though i mean yeah, yeah. you're right i feel like yeah, a lot of, right. i feel yeah. like a lot of women find it empowering that she came out with a song called wet ass pussy yeah it was so, uh, you know nah, not when you got like a, a, a seven-year-old daughter or something like that. i feel like yeah, it's the worst. little daughters that love cardi and then it's like oh cardi got a new record and you're just like yay yo <laughs> like you can't hear this shit like that's the only element <laughs> it's almost like she couldn't win because i'm i'm trying to imagine her coming out with like a politically correct record I and know. i almost can't I mean, pitch that either i know i know i know i know that's far fresh she, she know her lane they know their lane i'm I'm just, I'm just saying like it'd be nice for i mean look what oh, what's his name little baby didn't he do political shit and it went yeah high it starts? yeah, that, yeah. That, that actually i was really impressed by that record because he really spit yeah. some shit on there and it actually made me really 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 respect him more as an artist that he was that versatile because there's yeah. a because Meek Mill dropped something and I was like, oh, that's cool. Like Meek's shit was cool, but the little babies was like, it was right on yeah. point. He he sounded amazing on it, and I was like, wow. That, you know, I was like, there's a reason why this motherfucker is on top right now. And he didn't really go away from his sound in the process of doing right. it, which I yeah, liked. Yeah. Yeah, it was still his mm-hmm. style. I, yeah. yeah, it's um. I, I want to go back and I want to ask you a question, and it may be nothing, it may be something, but I was curious about it because I always have conversations about New York hip hop, and how 50 Cent kind of fucked up New York hip-hop. But 
I'm wondering, you know, you've heard that, you've heard that conversation, right? Uh, I, I, I haven't heard a word like that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, like, <laughs> well, he kind of like he he like you know he kind of bullied. He made it so that New York rappers couldn't work together, and there was beef with him and Fat Joe and whatnot and blah blah blah. Like I think Ebro. I, mean, I don't think that stops New York rappers from coming out with good records individually. Well, I think I think it was like I think he kind of fucked up the the movie. It was the beginning of yeah. the it was like, the downfall of New York hip hop. It was the it was around the downfall, but Ebro, I think Ebro from High ninety seven says that like Fifty Cent fucked up New York hip hop. I mean, it's, it's interesting, yeah. you know. I gotta like when you say that because he did like air everybody out, yeah. But, but at the same time, it's hip hop, and it was it was a monumental time. And that was that. I don't give a fuck that. Obviously, that M was like, you know, fell in love with it, and they they signed and whatever. But I mean, that's what that's what hip hop's about. Is that I don't like whoever has the more I don't give a fuck attitude. Right. You know what I mean? Like Fifty had it, Eminem had it. Um, but um, but but what I was saying is that you. Up. I mean, it's interesting that you yeah. said it. Cause I'm trying to think what happened right after that. You saying right after that is when the, everything went trap, right? <laughs> I mean, it just went all down south. Yeah, around there, it was like. But he was already sounding south on certain records. Like when he did Wangstan, a couple yeah, of records yeah, for sure. They were saying he was putting on. I mean, I know his jaw was messed up or whatever it may be, but like he had a little twang. He had yeah, a he little. He, he had a little something going on, like where he was dragging the words, and he sounded like 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 a South dude. A lot mm -hmm. of the records, so he started bringing that synergy maybe yeah. to New York, where it became a normality for for it to sound like that. But, yeah, uh, but, but I, uh, I was wondering, you did you did a track for Lloyd Banks? You did work magic on the Hunger for More album, which is Lloyd Banks' yeah. first album, right? Yep. And then you did a Terror Squad. You did the Terror Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was wondering if it was if there was anything around that time where it was like, can you work with Fat Joe and can you produce for Fat Joe and can you produce for 50 Cent or was there anything, think, was think, there any opportunities that you lost working with Fat Joe and Remy Ma or any of that shit? Yeah, I mean, ironically, for the Dark Side, his Dark Side album, the, the intro I produced and he literally dissed 50 on it. <laughs> so he actually yeah. did a diss record to my beat. But when I look at it, I look at Scott Storch, how he did the lean back and then he did the candy shop. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. And both of them didn't care. They let him do his thing. And he was actually affiliated with TS, but he still was given 50 beats. Yeah. So I think, I think, you know, the artists look at you a little more neutral, right. but uh, I didn't have any issues to be honest when it came to that. Yeah, I was just curious about that shit because you did one track for G unit, you know, but you did multiple with yeah. Fat Joe after. So I was wondering like, you know, yeah, it never, <laughs> I don't think about it. It never really came up except, except when I heard the dark side intro and I heard the lyrics and he said, um, we gonna have a what do you say? We gonna have a party when Curtis dies or some shit. That's how we ended the verse. We gonna have a party when Curtis dies, and I'm like, oh my god. <laughs> but <laughs> but uh, yo, <laughs> so yo, as a producer, artist, and DJ, right? Is it is it hard for you uh, accepting that you do all of that shit? Pretty much, you know, like how Kanye, Jamie, you you brought this up actually, like. Kanye was a producer, but people was doubting him as a rapper and all of that. Yeah, shit. is it kind of is it is it like difficult to be accepted as a producer because people know you from the radio or even as a rapper, but people know you as a producer? Yeah. Is it like have like a, a identity crisis in hip hop? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But is it is it is it because you know to you you just multi talented or whatever, and anybody can see that. But is it like sometimes you do you restrain from saying I'm also a producer, I'm also a rapper, I'm also a DJ? I mean, I like to um, say I'm all three. I think that's what a, that's the only way for me to be special in a sense. But at the same time, the way people people experience me all differently. 
So, you know, if people used to come to Greenhouse and see me spin and then they see me come out with a rap record, they're going to say, why is that club DJ trying to rap? Like, that's corn. You know what I mean? Not knowing that I might have started rapping. And the same thing with the uh, production. Uh, like, like yeah, it's basically I, I, I juggle I juggle my own quote identity and then other people know me, you know, so people stop me in the street for beats. Then they may say, oh, I listen to your radio show. Then, oh, I remember you in the club. And then I get my old school heads. Hey, I used to come to the open mic. I used to tear down the mic. And. It's just like I- I'm appreciative of having been in all those moments, but it's kind of a gift and a curse because it like spreads me real thin. So it's like I have an equal passion for all three, but then you know I have a lot of trouble balancing the three because I, you know, like it's like it's like a jack of all trades, master of none. It's like it's like you know if I did 100% just DJing, you'd see me every day on Twitch, fucking doing back trips and and whatever. If you if I was 100% producer, I'd be dropping. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I was mm-hmm. rapping 100%, I'd be dropping more projects. Instead, I'm doing 30, 30, 30 or 33 so it's kind of like you know a little bit here then a little bit here and a little bit here and it's kind of like it could be frustrating to be honest but i can't control where my passions are so i just got to prioritize sometimes should i should i care about what's deep in my heart and my passion like my personal music or should i go for where the money's at just make mad beats and try to sell them you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. that's my 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 personal shit mixed with the add you know (laughs) you know you in the studio i might be putting together a a a DJ set for an hour, then I'm like, hold on, I want to make a beat. Then I'm making a beat, then I want to write. Then after I write, I'm like, hold on, let me go back to my DJ shit. Let me, you know what I mean? So I, yeah. I do that. I, I, I dance around in the studio all the time. Do you, do you feel like the like the the world and time kind of lays the path for you as you go and uh, tells you how to where to focus on either one kind of? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I, I I think I think there's um there's a reason for everything. Not to be cliche, but I do. You yeah. know, even even me getting taken. You know, this quarantine thing. Basically, like I don't see myself going back to the club. To be honest, like of mm-hmm. course I'll do gigs and of course I'll do special events and whatever. But in the radio, but I'm not like prioritizing getting down with Tao Group and and hitting up the people. Like you know what I mean? And trying to like get in three gigs a week or something. Like yeah, I'm prioritizing now making the music, you know, getting back to production, getting back to my personal projects. And I don't think that would have happened if if this whole pandemic didn't happen. Right. I still would have been in the in the in the rat race. You know, in the rat race. In the rat race, which was, you know, you you know, Crooked, you know how it's going. Like right. like the shit is going down. Like like just in in a sense where, you know, DJs were glorified and then just the undercutting and the this and that. And now it's like, hey, right. you want three hundred dollars to DJ for seven hours? <laughs> you know, you're just like, yeah. no, no actually anymore. Just cause, you know, so uh so you saw you saw the you saw in New York the club scene was just kind of just slowly just getting worse and worse and worse yeah yeah, yeah. you saw that literally I yeah because it's became a money thing like even with the promoters like if they could get a DJ for a hundred dollars or less they care more about that than having the better DJ that right. can keep people in the room longer or may attract certain people to, to show up and then you know I mean I'm sure you've been a come to one oak one night and you don't know who the hell's dj and you just like and they just throwing records on and you just like who the hell? you know i'm not dissing because i'm sure this, th- th- there's a lot of unknown talent that deserve to be there they could have been from overseas but right. i found myself a lot when i would go out and not be djing i wouldn't know who the djs were or or they wouldn't be that good to be honest and mm-hmm. i'd be like why don't they have you know the credible djs that i know in new york why why you know but um i do know why i mean it's 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 because of money bottom and, line and and, and and like i say um 
technology is a gift and a curse because people become a DJ overnight, you know? Yeah. I mean, you literally don't even need a stash anymore. You literally could live stream, not live stream, but jump on title on, you know, on Serato and you literally could match your, you know, sync up your, your BPMs. Like you don't need anything but a laptop and, and, and to know what's hot to play. And mm -hmm. so you got like promoters becoming DJs and, you know, they'll bring the, they'll bring the girls or they'll bring the, the bottle people. And that's it. Forget about the art form. Forget about, you know, yeah. My, my cool wordplay mix that I was working on all night. <laughs> 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 they don't care about that. You had a you had a, a a really. I remember just hearing you once in a while at Greenhouse, and you would just you would murder that shit. I would just stand there like listening to you. Like it was it was really a great. I really look forward because I was in Vegas. I would really look forward to coming back to New York and like hearing the DJs again, you know. And then somehow in the last five or so years or more, maybe. It, it, it was really tougher for me to come back to New York and really hear, you know, that that kind of, I don't know, those kind of sets and that kind of like, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, the fun sets, man. The fun yeah. sets. It's not so stiff. You know what I mean? Like the open format ones. And that's kind of why I've enjoyed the live streaming, yeah. you know, because you just play anything and everything and be as creative as you could. And, I, I you know, I haven't been on in a while, but I, when I do go on, I always try to mix every genre and, you know, jump from a Sting record to a Wu-Tang record. Whatever I could do, I mean... Make it make sense, but do stuff that you couldn't do in the club. In the club, it's like you got to play your, your 40 hot records and, you know, how creative yeah. can you get with that, you know? Mm -hmm. yeah, I hate, yeah, I hate to take you away from production, but at some time, I would love to see you on Twitch. That would be dope. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's trust me. I, once I get this freaking, once I get this fader fixed, we should hopefully <laughs> it's crazy. I don't know why it's taking so long. It's like a mind, like a mind fuck, to be honest with me. Like, you know, but um, yeah, yeah. But I 100 will be on Twitch. I bought a freaking green screen. I bought all this shit. Like I don't even. It's just sitting there. Yeah. So uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll definitely be on it soon. It's dope. It's because you could do you could DJ on Twitch and you can have your son just be in the lab making beats for you. You know what I'm saying? And working yeah. with him and shit. That's a, it's a great you know, dynamic. Dope. Dope. He he got to hook it up for me. He knows all that OBS shit. I don't know. Yeah. If I can't do that. Shit. Well, <laughs> not like a dinosaur. It's probably super easy, but. I do. I do need someone to help me out with that. I love. I love that it took us three weeks, Kirk, to put everything together, and this twelve-year-old can hook it all up by himself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's the, that's the best. It's part crazy. Of this. These yeah. kids are sponges. Yeah, trust me. Does, it's it's incredible. Does but, your son have an interest in DJing or mostly production? He likes the production. No, he doesn't do any DJing. He just he just, just all production. Huh? He did like he's sending me like five five beats a day like. Wow! Just like, damn, cool, you're running man. circles, and oh, I just downloaded the new OVO plugin. I just downloaded the new reverb that so and so uses. I just, I'm just like, wow. let me get that. Let me get that. <laughs> Send it to me too. You know, and and you know, watching mad tutorials, putting me onto match. It's, it's pretty. It's, it's been a crazy year on that level with me and my son. So, with your you son, know? with your son getting into this, what is the number one or two or three lessons that you would give to him? Like moving into production, working with artists, and all of this shit. What what is the main things you're gonna tell him or have told him already with working with artists or, you know, what I'm yeah. saying shopping your beats or doing whatever. I mean, I always say what I used to say is, you know, you got to get heard before you get paid. Sometimes, so it's like it's more important to get your music out before you get some some short money. Like, so whatever it takes, if you find a new artist, do a whole album with them. You know, like get get your shit heard you know what i mean because it's so oversaturated you know and if you don't have a a, a a track record like you can't you know but i i don't know if i said this to him but this is something that i always say to producers is is to get heard first let people you know get familiar with who you are get some get some track records i did so many free beats coming up and then when it was time to charge i had a crazy resume and they didn't know i did them all for free but i could say hey yeah i did that beat for this one and that one for that one yeah you know this, this is my cost 
they helped me get a course because I didn't have a resume before. So it's like, you know, and it's that whole relationship thing. For him, it's different. He's 12, you know what I mean? But he knew yeah. he was needing people mm-hmm. online, putting his shit on beat stars and shit. And just like, hey, he's, he got me. So he's he got the cheat code, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> I got to work out a funnel the money, though. That's the only thing I work yeah. out. Would you say between DJing, MCing, and production, production is probably the most gratifying for you? Production and 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 writing. If I and and the right, yeah, produ- yeah, yeah, production. I guess writing comes with the production. Like if you sit there with a with a whether it's me with a rap or or sitting with a songwriter, and we finish a record and we produce it and write it. Like that's a that's an amazing feeling because it came from nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. DJing is the funnest, probably. Like I could DJ forever. Like I literally could DJ just for hours. It's just one of the funnest things for me to do. Like mm-hmm. if I could really just play around constantly, um, but production is definitely fulfilling because you're you're putting something to the universe that'll that'll stay there. You know what I mean? Like yeah, like it's cre- it's a real creation. You know, you could do you could create a cool DJ set as long as people keep that video of you, it'll stay alive. But yeah, doing songs, you know, songs last longer. So I got a question about like working with new artists, like the splits. You know, getting paid per beat. Is it how how do you feel? the negotiation shit out like how do you because you know it's like when a when a when when clubs come to us or like you know the best is when there's like a corporate event and you're like oh shit i got a corporate event i'm gonna try to get that corporate event bag you know what i'm saying you're trying to feel out how much money you can get is this like a five grand gig or is this a 10 grand this is a 10 grand gig you know it's I wonder, always wonder with production, how do you work with the artist? Like right. now, do you, are you just kind of like, look, I'm not making any beats for you unless, you know, you drop 15 grand or 20 grand or 10 right. grand. I mean, know? now it's like, it's more a barter thing. I, I would say with mo- everyone's so independent, unless you're really going to a label, you yeah. know, you go to a label, then you go through their, you know, their, their representation or you just go to the label. Like I say, like a, like locks. Like if I do if I do a, a a beat for Styles P, let's say, yeah, I'm not charging if he just got he got I know he got me on a verse, so I'm not I'm not gonna charge Styles P. But if I do something for the locks and it's going through Rock Nation and Def Jam and it's that, then you know they're getting an invoice because it's coming through a corporation. You know what I mean? And, and the artists know that they know that they well, assume, yeah, yeah they say they say go get your bag like yeah okay, like they okay. got a, they got a budget you know right unless I was up and coming then they could you know they could finesse a up and coming producer say yo you know do this on the arm I got you on a on a verse or whatever mm-hmm. but. You know, but when it goes to a label, then of course you just go through the protocol. You get your lawyer to hit their lawyer and get the producer deck and all that. But otherwise, if it's a lot of these new artists, what, I, what my approach is going to be or is, I'm like, let's do a project. Let's do five then. You want one? Let's do five. Because <laughs> that way we can, it's, one gets lost in the source and nobody even knows you made the beat. Right. You know what I mean? You're just throwing it out onto the next. If we do five, we could actually create a sound, package right? Package that up, and yeah. now we have a project. Now my name's getting promoted. Now you know what I'm saying. Mm. Like I almost mm. rather do five than one sometimes. You know. So you'll you'll do it like you'll do it without a bag or anything. And do you work out the splits like beforehand? How does that work? I mean, usually, like I say, every record is fifty percent the writer, fifty percent. That's the it. Yeah. So it's usually you know if, if I was just going ahead up with an independent artist, we would just say, yo, let's just go fifty fifty. Mm-hmm. and that's it and then you know if, if a certain indie company or something want to throw us a bag whatever we split it but if not we'll just you know we'll just drop it and i guess share the residuals and wow. or share you know merch or it would have been tours but you know it's it's it's, it's such a gamble it's such an investment of time and labor right to, to yeah, do these I things mean, it's hard because I, I i'm friends with a lot of old school producers that won't do anything unless they get paid mm-hmm. but they also haven't heard anything from them in years Right. So you're like, so you're kind of like, you know, yeah, he did those those hits in the '90s. What is he doing now? And then when you go see him, 
like everything's about that bag, but they don't realize that everything you do is a commercial for yourself. Like you're, you're, you're out of sight, out of mind. You know what I mean? Like you all, you gotta like, you gotta keep putting content out basically. So, yeah. you know, whatever the vehicle is, if it's, if the only way to get your beats heard is for this rapper down the street to rap over, <laughs> to let him rap over them and just hit him with the heat. So people are like, yo, what is that? I need some of that. But, um, um, yeah, man, it is a gamble, you know, yeah. and that's where you got to have multiple, multiple hustles and some shit will be for a look, some shit will be for a bag, some shit will be for a relationship. But I think I, I'm getting the mentality that I just got to release as much music and wherever the chips fall, mm-hmm. they fall, you know. What uh, what do you call Jamie over here? He's a big J. Cole fan and he heard like- Yeah, a, I, wanted to, I wanted to ask you this He question. had a rumor, yeah, yeah. I'm a big Cole fan since like 08, 09. There was a rumor that you and him had worked together, but I never heard anything ever so, coming out of that. Yeah, so... And so this, did that one get cut too? This, this is, is another... Yeah, it did. But this is another <laughs> lesson. This is Jay-Z a lesson. got involved. What happened? The lesson, the lesson is I talked too early, man. I, I, think I, I, think, I think I jinxed it, man, because he basically... I, I sent a beat to him. Shout out to um, Elite. I'm cool with Elite. Tasha Elite, I'm cool with him too. Right? Yeah, yeah. So he gave me the direct email. This is back in 2015, I think. He gave me a direct email with J. Cole. I sent him a beat. He hit me right back. So I fuck with the scram. I'm going to start writing to it. Thank you. You know, I'm like, boom, you know. So then I did a, 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 I was on Sway and he asked me, what do I have coming up? And I started thinking like, you know, who's holding my beats? And I mentioned, I was like, oh, and J. Cole, me and J. Cole got something, you know, and I shouldn't have said that because mm. it didn't happen. You know, it, it just, I don't know what the hell happened. It just never came out. I kept hitting him. Yo, what's up with that beat? And it was crickets. But that beat was actually the one that was on um the Davey Styles P album the the the, the record oh. I did um that beat Damn. was a, yeah so he was yeah he was about to grab like a Wu Tang New York sounding like it was you know it must have been something he didn't have in the stash you know what I mean mm-hmm. that he you know he wanted to write to but then probably didn't finish it but um that was another moment you, where you I, really you I, really think it's because you mentioned his name really no no, no I don't think that's the reason <laughs> yeah but it's just but you this, think it was a jinx it, yeah jinx yourself <laughs> it's happened before like it's weird because there's two ways of looking at it sometimes it's good to speak it in existence they say you know right words words of spells and laws of attraction and, and act like it already happened so it's like you want to speak on it but then there's the other side like don't say shit till it happens because you might you know you may jinx it right so yeah. it's like which one is it guys should we talk <laughs> about <laughs> it's it's funny because around that time is when kind of cole went silent for a long time mm. yeah because he used to be the one that talked to like be like oh i'm working with this i'm working with dr dre third and them shits would never come out so maybe he was like oh i'm gonna shut up now and maybe I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. But yeah, yeah, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. Is is there, I was I was looking for, forward to that. Is there yeah. a dream artist that you? Is there a wish list of artists that a dream artist that you would really love to work with right now? I mean, I still like. I'm a big fan of J Cole. Big yeah. fan of Kendrick. Not to be generic, but I, them two dudes is you know. I think every producer wants I, to work with. Both I think of them. you would. I think you would sound amazing with J Cole. To be honest, man. Oh, I, I, yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. Not for real. No, that's just wishing on it. And and he's always like, I'm, you know, I've met him a couple of times and he's just a humble, cool guy. And Elite is super cool and he's always down to do the do the pass off. But that, that whole team, that whole Dreamville team. Yeah, that and, team is and crazy. J. Cole, yeah. They're probably one of some of the most humble, down to earth motherfuckers, real yeah. motherfuckers that I've ever uh, right. Encountered in the in the in the music industry, they're very internal. Like they very incubated. Like they they you know they do their thing internally, 
They got their in-house producers, and J. Cole is a producer himself and damn near produces almost everything or, or puts his finger, you know what I mean? Puts yeah. his foot in the production and everything. So it's similar to OVO. It's kind of like to get a Drake placement, you know, to get past the, not past, but you got the vinyls and Boy Wonder and 40, and you got his, like, his his go-to team, and it's like yeah, trying yeah. to get in there. <laughs> like, they got the formula. They don't even need outside production because they've got their formulas. That's nah, the they, need, they need that gully. They need that, that scram yeah, gully that, shit. That, that New York <laughs> hip-hop. That's what they need, man. <laughs> they need that gully-ass shit, man. Yeah, um, have you have you ever tried to work with other like artists similar to like a Cole, maybe like a Wale, or even now Griselda that's coming up? Like, oh, yeah, Griselda yeah. would be great. Yeah, would yeah, be yeah, yeah. No, Griselda. I mean, I've been talking to Conway. I also like I needed to get my my gully stash up per se because when they came out, and to be honest, Benny reached out to me way back, and I actually didn't even take the session with him because, and I regret this to be honest with you, but it was like 2017, and I had just started working with the singer. Mind you, Dave East was practically my artist before he met Nas. We did like mm. 15 records and I was doing all the shit with him. But once he met Nas and that, he was gone. So I was like, yo, I'm not doing no more rap records with these New York rappers. I'm working, <laughs> <laughs> working on this. He's losing them. Yo, and, it's crazy. The hard, the level of heartbreak, it, it's like consistent disappointment. I mean, like I say, I'm still cool with East. We got <laughs> done records since then and I DJ for him. You know, so that's still the homie. But that's really what happened, you know. Like we had paperwork and everything, and we were, I was just about to sign him, and he's like, "Yo, Scram, Nas want to fuck with me? I, I might need to chill with the with the contract." I said, "Okay," yeah. and then and then you know he was gone, but um, not gone, but you know, like our our everyday sessions were gone. But uh, but anyway, so after that, Benny the Butcher, so Saigon's like, "Yo, my man upstate is nice. His name's Benny the Butcher," and I'm like, picking the sound of Matt Underground and like Street, and I was like, "Yo, I really like I'm taking a break from this for a second. I found a singer." I'm making freaking Paul McCartney songs right now. Like I'm, like I'm, I'm literally making like guitar freaking, you know, alternative music suddenly. So I was, so I didn't even have the right beats for it. And now fast forward years later, I'm literally chasing. I got a beat for Benny right now that's got his name on it. That's incredible. And I'm like, <laughs> somebody get this beat to him, and it's like super hard to get him. Meanwhile, he was texting me 2017. So that's another story. You can't sleep on certain people. See, I got a lot of stories, bro. <laughs> <laughs> when, you, when you hear like the new production for like Gully Rap right now, have you noticed that it's like absence of drums? Do you know what I mean? So so the new thing is is is, is yeah. minimum. Production. It's just loops. Trust me. I've been in the studio with Alchemist or Harry Freud. Like, yeah. And I'm not discrediting them. Their, their ears and their digging skills are incredible. Yeah. But they really will just take loops, you know? That's right. like the old Rock Marciano type of vibe originally, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. which is fire because then you get to really hear the bars and it's just like a, a nice, you know, a nice bed for them to, to, to talk over, you know, not to overproduce it. But um, but that became a thing with um with Griselda too, just minimum do you, loops, do you, you know? Do you think it's because the drums make it sound dated like it's from you know the night because it's it essentially it's kind of like a 90s like a boom bap boom bap rap but and vibe, so it's kind of like if you would take a break beat yeah it may sound dusty but if you would take 808s and fast hi-hats and you know you know do it like that then it'll sound now but maybe they don't want it to sound now you know what i mean yeah. they rather just, mm -hmm. just have something to talk over when right. i say talk i'm rap but that's what it sounds like you're just talking over about, you know what I mean? It's not about how it's impacting the speaker. It's more about the, them talking to you over this shit. Do you like, blame? Do you blame like dreams and nightmares, Meek Mill, that whole shit? Like everyone wants. <laughs> <laughs> everyone wants that. That whole yeah, like nah. it's a, me a melody playing in the background. Yeah, they that they don't want that. You know that came from uh, one mic though. Like, come on, Nas had the one mic with that. Yeah, yeah. 
one with the yeah, band, I, and then yeah. T Grizzly too. But yeah. but um, but that at least had a had a climax. These right. records, they had, there's no climax. It's mm-hmm. just some gully Wu Tang co flow sounding underground. <laughs> like yeah, it definitely reminds me of the underground back in the days. But but I love it. I love it. I just you know. But it's also kind of like yo, it's how can we how can we uh, make the drums as soft as possible? And like as absent as yeah. possible for some. That's what I, I learned that when I said uh, when I first sent beats over to these guys before I really analyzed, my beats were full and everything, and then yeah. I realized I was like these are overproduced. I need to just send loops. Like I need to just send samples because you know like that I don't hit now. I you know I see Benny working with a uh, Hit Boy and these guys started are like their sound is growing now. So maybe mm-hmm. now they they'll grab some bigger drums. But um but oh but but uh, what's his name Darringer? Mm-hmm. That's my guy. Like he's he's nice with those loops and of course Al. You know, these guys got, they, they find some real like Halloween sounding scary ass samples. To look it's like how scary of a sample can you find? It's like, that's what you're looking for. The, the creepiest sample, loop that shit and <laughs> talk your shit. So you, you, you I'm not, because when I was hearing, I'm like, yo, this is like a trend. This is like, this is some shit that's popping. And you, and you hear that shit too. So you like, you pull back and you, and you, and you make, and you, do you, like if you had a bunch of beats that was for them, do you, do you, pull back and you're like look i'm gonna i'm gonna take out the drums on some of these joints and or like you know or do i do i yeah, not chop, I mean, do i not chop up the sample as much you know like do i just leave it as is and yeah just i just it? you know i think just like when i was producing for like for woo for like ray and ghost like yeah you just gotta find like because honestly and going back to like havoc sometimes like a, a literally a one bar loop or a two bar loop yeah it's like as much as like an outside person that analyzes might say it's simple it's hypnotic, you know what I mean? So when you have something repeating one bar and someone's talking over it, there's actually like a hypnotic, there's a reason why it's so hot when you hear like Raekwon over just a dang, dang, you just like, your freaking head is going to explode, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, so they have that too where it's like less is more where I may find a dope 16 bar sample, but if I just loop that first bar or those first two bars, that's probably all I would need for them mm-hmm. to rap over it, you know what I mean? Dude, how, Always how, the best. how's it working with like Raekwon? Ghostface, Wu Tang, all that shit. That shit is crazy. I mean, it's 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 crazy in a sense. I always have to think about my teenage self, you know, right. during these moments. Because as much as I'm cool with them, I talk to them on the phone like they're my boys. But then I'll be like, I just hung up a ghost, like talking about like like I don't know, like it's definitely a mind fuck. But but um, you know, high school I was a super Wu head, and I had the posters on the wall, and I would just like I was so. And honestly, I look at my old posters and I, I, I'm going back to some philosophical stuff, but like that, that law of attraction and the vision boards, you believe in vision boards where you put something on the wall mm-hmm. and it kind of like makes the universe kind of like every poster I had on my wall, I wound up working with the artist. Wow. You know That's I mean? crazy, and man. Like, and it's crazy. I got I got if I if I had my hand held, I'll show you. I got a poster on the wall now. I, I DJed uh, this Rough Riders thing. 2016 at the Apollo and DMX performed and then it was Jada, Nori and Jim Jones and that's who's on the poster. Yeah. Now, I, I worked with Nori before I worked with Jada. I never worked with DMX or Jim but I threw this on the wall and then like two years later, like right now, I just did a record with DMX right. and then I'm looking at the, and then when I was doing a record with DMX, I was like the only person on this poster I didn't work with is Jim and now suddenly I'm doing an album with Jim. Like, wow. like I don't know if I'm getting too deep but like literally Throw big- your favorite rapper on the wall. <laughs> <laughs> That's some deep crazy. ass shit. That's some deep yeah. ass shit, though. No, it, yeah. it's crazy. But um, I don't know where I went. Where I went when I went there with nah, it. But nah. um, That's dope. Nah, um, working with Ray and Ghost, and like I say, it's just crazy. Like when you get up with these rappers, like they're just normal people, obviously. But it, it is crazy when you 
grew up listening to them. Like I literally have, where is it? Let me show you something. Hold on. Uh, lying around here now, I had the, I had the Locks cassette. That was their first album. Oh, shit. And it's crazy. I literally have the Locks cassette lying around my studio and I just did a Locks record. And I'm like, this cassette was like my high school. Or co- you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just weird how shit be going in circles, man. Life is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> That's so dope. Do you, do you see like the, is it weird? Like, do they show their insecurities, these rappers that, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you oh, see hell. like, you know what I'm saying? Do, have you ever like, I don't, I'm not, I'm just... Yeah putting the name out there but like let's say ghost spit something you're just kind of like yo ghost that last line you know like can we, <laughs> you're better that, than this that last line you know can we well, I, that's one thing about me i always, i think that's people that work with me appreciate it i don't bite my tongue like i've seen people bite their tongue behind the studio and like the, the rap will be way off and they'll and it'll be a famous rapper they won't say anything Oh. In the back of my mind, I'm like, nudge that shit. Because I will nudge people's shit. I won't even let them know. Like, if you know, if you're out of pocket, I'm putting you in pocket. That's just, it's like bothers me. You know what I mean? Right. Um. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, with Ghost, for instance, I mean, Ghost has been spitting fire. But I'll say, you know, that, you know, if something, if I have any input, I don't bite my tongue. And he's responsive. You know what yeah. I'm saying? But, um. But he, like, right now, for instance, we're trying to get features, you know, but he doesn't like reaching out to other rappers, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I know if he reached out, they, he would get the features. Yeah. And it's just funny. She's just like, you know, I don't I don't mess with these rappers, you know, but I do want so-and-so on it. But, like, if he doesn't get a response, like, I'll tell him a DM a rapper. Right. And he doesn't get a response, I'll fuck him, man. This is why I don't mess with rappers. Let's just do it. And I'm like, wait, <laughs> we can still get him. Because he's, he, he's talking about some big features, and I can just see that he has no, you know. Right. He has no patience for, for for egos or whatever. That's I mean, <laughs> that's <Wow. laughs> I, I, when you're in the studio, like you know, who's your favorite? Who who's the dude that gets in the booth and just and pause blows your mind? Just like yo, goddamn, like you know, just uh, kills it. Uh, for man. some reason, I think Jada just fucking probably murdered. Well, Jada, that. yeah, because it's like he got that voice, uh, so you know, every line he does, it's gonna be like a you're gonna right. remember it. You know what I mean? Like he really finesses his bars. So, so the times I was in the studio with him. To, to, to actually be there to hear him record the verse. When I did the Rain record was probably the, the time I was there. Uh, the Rain one with him and Nas on um, mm-hmm. on the top five record, whatever, whatever his album was called. But yeah, when he got in that booth, I seen him writing. He got in that booth, I was, yeah. I, I was like, wow, this is real because, you know, like I said, he got a legendary voice. So when you start hearing it over your beat, you just start smiling ear to ear. You're like, wow, it's really happening, you know? Man. Yeah, so, you, you keep... You keeping New York hip hop alive, man. It's crazy. Man. <laughs> oh yeah, man. I feel last decade, yo, for real. This it's nah, fucking nuts, man. So dope. Love, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I'm do you trying. Call- Go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. I just said I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> yo, when you work with Styles P, does he bring like the green shakes to this to the spot? Like the green juices? <laughs> yo, he takes that vegan shit that serious, you know. I I, I I personally started taking his vitamins because you know I fuck yeah. with Styles heavily but i was like oh let me try them out they're really fucking good no so, I, I just got a new sh- no those they're on point and I, I actually really like their instagram i told myself whoever runs it oh it's super, great it's super informative. informative yeah yeah i'm always dming like shit to people like yo did you, did you because you know health is you know health is everything you know and I, you know my girl's a cancer survivor so like she's oh wow you know everything in the house is super you know vegan super organic we growing shit outside like health is a big thing in the house so you know he's spot on with that shit, and it's and it, it's dope really making it trendy, not trendy, but acceptable or like, uh, 
not even acceptable, just putting people on to that because people are so programmed, especially in the hood, like, you know, grab a bag of chips, grab a slice of pizza, grab a, grab a Snapple, and that's like your everyday for years and there's like no nutrition. And that's the shit that later on in life fucks with you. So mm-hmm. it's smart what they're doing. And obviously they can make money off it, but it, they definitely making a difference. And, um, but, um, but yeah, when Styles, the studio, like I said, he literally put on the beat, you know, he roll up, he close his eyes or he'll bop his head. And like, like I'm telling you, like I've never seen somebody because I've seen the punch-ins. There's so many rappers that'll jump in the booth, they'll think of their first four bars, then they'll sit there and think of the next couple. So they won't necessarily be writing, but they'll do a lot of punches. Right. You know what I mean? mm-hmm. So like I think that's how like Kanye does it. You know what I'm saying? Cause I when I work with Ron Fest, he was that's how he would do it. He'd go in the they go in the room and they try to trade bars with whoever's in the room and think of some shit and run in and run out and run in. But like Styles, he literally think of the whole 16. Not say a word, go in there and knock the whole thing out. And if he messes up the last line, you take it from the top. No punches. You know what I mean? So like amazing. I've seen him do like seven verses in a night, like, and I'm just like, bro, how do you remember it? And he says it actually the paper fucks with him more. Like he he can't the paper makes him mess up his flow. So he gets more of a flow. I mean, I, I get the science. You think of the first line, you keep saying it to yourself, and you think of the second, you keep saying it. But it's like, I can't remember that shit. Like, I don't know how. But but that's how they bonded with Biggie. Him, Jada, you know, him, Jada, and Biggie, they all never really wrote. So they had a really? bond. Yeah. Jada, Jada wrote sometimes, but Jada doesn't always write. You know, like, he also does that punches thing. But, um, but like, I think that's how him, Biggie, you know, Styles, Jada, and Biggie bonded a lot because they all didn't write. Oh, Beanie shit. Siegel doesn't write, too. I, I was in a studio session with Beanie. Wow. Nori had to come through. He went in the room set for about 30 minutes, knocked out a whole verse. And it's, so that's another one. They got that <laughs> memorizing. I don't know if that's like a jail thing that they was in jail thinking <laughs> shit like. <laughs> it's probably curriculum. Uh, Jada's verses always sound so calculated that I yeah. thought he wrote. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I've seen him write, but I've seen him not write. And then when I see the interviews, they say, Jada has said too that, you know, he's, I think he's had the lines that he didn't write. But, um, and I know like, you know, Jay-Z, but I know Jay-Z also will punch in. He'll come with the first six bars and then be like, all right, hold on. You know what I'm saying? Like, not, not that I've been in the Jay-Z session, but I believe that's, <laughs> I believe that's, and nothing's wrong with that. But, um, but Styles was definitely the most impressive on that level. You know what I mean? Oh my God. You know, one is probably like Nori. Nori has to have a hundred people, you know, partying and that and then he'll just take five minutes do a quick one take and go back to chilling you know what i mean but like, <laughs> like he, he's funny but um that yeah. was obviously back in 06 because he's been in florida for like 10 years so how much uh how much how much like working with all these street rappers like how much crazy shit have you seen in the studio not much has it been like a separation or i mean I've, i haven't seen like i mean i've seen fights i've seen shit but like nothing crazy like like yeah just a you know just entourages and, and and lots of liquor and lots of smoke like yeah people get fucking hemmed up like before they record like you'd be surprised how much people <laughs> drink and smoke before they jump in the booth like you know but um whatever it takes to get you in the zone you know not everybody i should say that i've been in sessions where nobody nobody's doing that but you're talking about nori and the yeah. b-block and shit like that yeah, dudes is getting amazing. Smacked. That's a blessing. That's kind. Of, that's kind of a blessing, though. I mean, with all the drama and all the crazy shit you've, we've heard about, you know, fucking studios with all a lot of these motherfuckers. I would expect some type of shit to pop off. If anything, yeah. 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 Uh, once Fatal, I was in the studio. Fatal Hussein, you know, he uh, got arrested there, whatever. But yeah. but he was in the studio, and him and his. I was at I was at Shipes' studio at the Red Spiders in Soho, and doing a session with them and him and his boy started fighting and that shit just they destroyed the whole like it became a rumble 
And I literally have my back turned engineer, and I'm like, I hear them talking, and then I guess one punched the other, and his whole entourage fought in that studio. Jesus. And I was sitting on the computer like this, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was crazy. <laughs> what do you call it? Yo, do we have anything else y'all want to ask uh, Scram over here? Well, you know what, Scram? I wanted to ask you, since you're from New Rochelle, have you ever worked with any of the guys from Brand New Being? Of course, yeah. I mean, that was with a... The hometown heroes coming up, you know. Yeah, so, exactly, man. And, yeah. I, and I'm cool with all their like siblings I went to school with, the brothers and sisters. Um, so I did wind up doing them. I actually have the last brand new record. I never came out with it, but like Lord Jamal always tells me this. He says, Scram, you have the last one of us three on it. Because wow. I, I, I never came out with it for some reason, but I got all three of them on a record. But I had this shit for Sadat solo. I had, um, I had thrown Pooba beat before too. I don't, I don't even know if it came out. And then I have his brand new record. But otherwise, I've been around them. And 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 like I say, those were the hometown heroes. I didn't even know how big they were when we were in high school until later. And they were like, you know, these guys are, you know, five mics. And these guys are like, we thought they were just the local, you know. Oh, shit, local crazy, but, but, but they definitely, uh, brand new was was the shit. And definitely. Yeah. They put our rule on the map. Yeah, for me, I was like, yeah. Now, now yeah, rule. definitely, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> man, yo, Scram. Uh, what do you call it? Thank you for uh coming through on the podcast, man. We even want you on here for a minute. We we were actually waiting to to get you when we went back to New York because we we tried to go to New York and get like the New York dudes, the DJs uh-huh. and producers and shit. Yeah. But I'm glad yeah. we we were able to get you on for this joint. And I just gotta like tip my hat off to you for for the the amount of like work and the quantity of work that you've accumulated over you know these past two decades. It's impressive. And you're still on the grind. You have a have a great outlook on life and and uh, and work and everything. And uh, we're looking forward to a lot more from you, man. For real. real I talk. appreciate it. Yeah, thank man. You, man. And, and like I say, thanks to all y'all. Yeah. You know, I fuck with the podcast. Fuck with all y'all individually. And um, like I say, I'm just trying to um, music's the only thing I'm good at. Like like I can't change a light bulb. You know, I gotta get somebody to. <laughs> well, I can change a light bulb. But, but, but my point is um. You can't change I'm, the fader. I'm, I'm, yeah. <laughs> but um put it like this no matter how old i get i'm i'm making music till i die you know what i'm saying so yeah. it's just it's just constantly trying to reinvent and and i'm definitely excited for the new music that everyone's going to hear they're definitely going to be surprised when i come out with it Dope, um, man i'm definitely nice. excited and it's it's definitely out the box stuff but i still got you know them hard beats coming out and yeah Hit me up one eight hundred. Nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and, shout, and shout out to your little uh, Scram Jones, a new producer coming up too. Yeah, yeah man, I appreciate that. What's That's, his name? What's his name? Does he have a name for himself yet, or what? Just, it's just his, his name's Derek. His middle name's Jacob, so he's just Derek Jacob right now. Oh, you know, okay. but, but sound, no, 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 DJ. No, it's our name is DJ. <laughs> Fancy. <laughs> Mind you, he was born on my birthday too, so we oh, have the same birthday. Wow. Yeah, it was four four four. So when you see me doing the four four fours, it's not because of Jay Z. It's because I was doing that already. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, man, salute. Thank you, man. Yo, Scram. Thanks so much for coming through, man. Yeah, appreciate man. you, man. Thank, man. Appreciate Thank it, you, man. bro. Salute to all you guys. All right, stay in touch with me. Yeah, real quick, Jamie, you want to take us out? If you want to watch this video alongside all our brand new videos we drop every Friday, make sure you tune in to youtube.com slash road podcast make sure you like comment subscribe hit the notification bell to be the first to get the video and and uh you can check us every sunday on twitch.tv slash road podcast we're there every sunday at 8 p.m pacific time and scram jones is on shade 45 every saturday right um Correct. six to eight is that east coast time that's east coast so yep, yeah three to five west coast 
Yep. Yeah. So, uh, yo, definitely check out Scram. And, yo, we are out. Thanks a lot, man. Peace. Peace, man. Peace.